First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. There's a pattern in Scripture, and Lord willing, today we're going to look at that pattern where God, I believe, gives us a path that works every time to bring about hope, to bring about encouragement, which brings strength where it's needed. You've seen it. You've heard it. I know this is not some new revelation or new idea. But you and I can't control the things that happen around us. And we can't always control the things that happen to us. But we can control our response to those things. And as a child of God, you and I, and, and I think we, we fail to recognize the power and the strength in this, you and I have access to so much wisdom and comfort and counsel and peace and joy and strength continuously through the Holy Spirit working in us that if we will avoid the temptation and it's a hard it's a difficult temptation we have an enemy and when he hits us he he kind of hits us like I always feel like sometimes you're treading water and one wave comes over you and you survive and it's like, whew, survive that, but then here comes the next. And you survive and you think, whew, I'm going to make it and then here comes the next. And, and the enemy kind of does that in our life because he feels like if he can so overwhelm us with the circumstances and the situations around us and within us that he can get us to give up. He can get us to quit. He can get us to lose hope and lose courage and stop seeking after God's solution and God's power. But if God can get and quite often we see it in the Psalms. He says this, be still and know that I'm God. Often in the Psalms, if you're one who consumes the Psalms, and I, if you don't, I encourage you to do that because there's nothing more real that you'll ever find. I mean, the psalmists were just so authentic. and so Not that others aren't, but I mean, it wasn't that they were often trying to teach us something, even though the Holy Spirit teaches us something in it. They were just crying out to God. If things were going well, they were filled with praise and giving celebration to God for everything He had done. And if things weren't going well, you can see the raw genuineness of their emotions in the psalms as they cry out to God about why is this happening and when are you going to show up and what are you going to do because my heart is overwhelmed within me. And so if you're one who consumes the Psalms, you know that quite often God encourages his people to just stop and be still. And in a generation where we're constantly going, even when we're not going, even when it's time to rest, you got a day off, you got time off, do you really stop? I mean, think about it. Do we really stop? Usually a day off means, or time that we, we, we feel like we're not working, it means we can get to doing some other work that we've been leaving off not doing because we were working, right? And, and even if we're actually not working, this generation, most of us today are on our phones. Some of you are on them right now. You know, you're on your phones. I know, I know you're looking at Scripture. I understand. I believe, I believe you. You're, you're looking at Scripture. I got you. You know, I understand. That's good. But, but we're, we're on our phones. And, and, we're, and here's the problem with that. Depending on who's on your feed. If you don't have those phones, you're like, what are you talking about, feed? Right? But it, depending on who's on your feed, you're, sometimes you're being bombarded when you're trying to rest with nothing but negativity and anger and frustration and doubt 
And just and, and so even when you're trying to get away and rest, your mind's still being overloaded with all kinds of pressure and stress and garbage. And so really honestly, we never stop. And God said, stop. Be still and know intimately. Experience the fact that I'm God. I've got this. I'm bigger than this that you're going through. I'm in charge. I'm sovereign. I'm in control. And you can trust me. And he gives us a prescription that becomes a pattern in Scripture. And he gives us a command, not just on one day of the year because we're in America, but every day of our lives to return thanks to him for who he is and for all he does. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I just really want to look at three verses here, beginning in verse 16. The apostle says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Rejoice always. Always give praise. Always celebrate the goodness of God. Always return adoration to Him for who He is and what He's done. No matter what you're going through right now, and I'm not, listen, I know that you're going through stuff. Some things I know because you've told me. Some things I know just because I know. Because some, some of you I can, I can look at and say something, something's not right. Because usually I know what your expression is. Either that or, or you're just not liking what I'm saying right now. But whatever the case may be, something's not right. But many times you're going through stuff. Many times you're broken. And you've tried everything within your heart, everything you know to fix something, but you can't. Matter of fact, the more you put your hand on fixing it, the worse it seems to get. And you don't really know which way to turn now, and you're, you're along with, with just being broken, you're frustrated. And so with that frustration comes actually the enemy then tries to heap on a little anger because you're angry with yourself and you're angry with people around you. And eventually he kind of tries to turn that to anger towards God. Why ain't God moving? Why ain't God doing this? Why ain't God? How do you know that? Because I've been there. I know how that works. Because, see, the devil's the same devil with all of us. He just kind of uses different tricks. But in, in the end, it all has the same M.O. The enemy does the same thing. And so he overwhelms us with all these doubts and all this discouragement and all these situations and all this stress and all these frustrations. And all these things are going on in our minds and they're going on in our lives all the time. And so sometimes when you look at your life and you look at your circumstances, you can honestly say, it's not true, but I get it. You, you can honestly say, I don't know that I've got anything to be thankful for today. I can't, I, I can't find anything to be thankful for. But you always have reason to praise. Because, see, praise isn't about us at all. See, sometimes we get that wrong in charismatic churches. We think praise is just the neat time in the service when we sing. And, and, and if it's really a song I like and the music is really the way I like it, whether that's slow or upbeat because everybody's different, you know, this is the time I really get to get my praise on, you know, and I get to do this and I get to, oh, glory. But see, praise isn't about you and me. Praise is all about Him. Amen. It's about celebrating what He has done and continually does. It's about celebrating who He is 
And He never changes. You see, no matter what you're going through today, God is still faithful because that's just who God is. No matter what you're going through today, God is still love. It doesn't just say God has love. It says God is love. That's just who He is. No, no matter what you're going through today, Jesus is still the Savior. Jesus is still the Deliverer. Jesus is still the Healer. I know I said that in worship, but we need to remember that nothing changes about God. He says, I am God, I change not. Jesus said, I am the same. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Nothing ever your circumstance doesn't change that so though I may have to sometimes and you may have to sometimes look hard to find a circumstance to be thankful for you never have to look hard at all to find a reason to praise and that's why he starts out with rejoice always every day all the time we quoted what the psalmist said this morning when we started worship this is the day the Lord has made I will rejoice and be glad in it. And he's actually referring to the day of deliverance, the day of salvation, when Jesus came and took our sins away. If you don't have anything else to rejoice in today, if you can't have, find any other reason to praise, let me promise you something. You didn't earn your salvation. You can't pay for your salvation. There's nothing you've done. There's nothing you're ever going to do that's going to reserve a place for you in heaven. Jesus did that. It took his blood. It took his sacrifice. It took his pain. It took his suffering. And it was all because of love. If you can't praise God for anything else, every day, all day, you can rejoice. Because of salvation. You can rejoice because of the fact if you're a child of God, you have the indwelling Holy Spirit within you. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You may not acknowledge Him. You, you may not think about Him. You may not ever access who He is and what He does in your life, but He's there. And at the moment that you truly understand that He's there and that you need Him, it doesn't matter how dark the night is. It doesn't matter how difficult the day. You can turn to the strength and the power and the comfort and the counsel of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to go. One of my favorite verses is the fact that you don't have to go across the seas to find Him. You don't have to go up into the heights of the heavens to find Him. The Word is nigh thee. The Bible says to me, it's right there, even in your mouth. Everything you need from God as a child of God is there. The Holy Spirit, the greatest gift that you could ever imagine, He's already deposited it inside of you. And I said this not long ago, but I want to say it again. You did not get half of the Holy Spirit or a touch of the Holy Spirit or second-rate Holy Spirit compared to what Paul got or, or John and, and, and Matthew got or what your favorite preacher on Christian television got. You have the same Holy Spirit. 24-7, 365, he's available to you. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, when you don't know what to do with your frustration and your turmoil, you're not alone. Now, I know what you think, because I, I, I know. I, I'm human too. The, Holy, the, the enemy tries to tell you, nobody knows. Nobody understands. You're all alone. Nobody gets it. It's just you. Nobody else is going through this, but you're not ever alone. Or at least you don't ever have to be. The Holy Spirit is always there. Matter of fact, I challenge you to do something I was challenged to do as a young man. <laughs> Can't say I'm necessarily a young man anymore, but not an old man either. Be quiet. But somebody challenged me one time, when you're going through something and you don't know what else to say, just get real still and just start speaking the name of Jesus. Slowly, quietly, 
Start speaking the name of Jesus. That's a practice that I've continued throughout my life. And when things are at their worst sometimes and nobody else is awake and it's just me, I'll just sit there for a while and just quietly, Jesus. Jesus. There's power in that name. See, that's not just some song we sing or something some preacher made up because it sounded good to put on bumper stickers and sell T-shirts and books. It's the real deal. Jesus is still the name that sends demons running. The Bible says that demons hear the mention of his name and they tremble at the mention of his name. Here's the question. If every demon in hell trembles at the mention of the name of Jesus, why don't we put his name on our lips more often? See, we call on every other name for help. We're always talking about everybody else. And see, they can't help, but Jesus can. See, you're not ever alone. There's always a reason to rejoice. Always rejoice. Always give praise. Why is that so important? Well, we'll get to that in a minute. But I want to jump over verse 17 and jump back right over to 18. It says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. I can't tell you how many times throughout the years of ministry and even before people talk to me or I hear somebody talk about, man, I wish I could find the will of God for my life. I just wish I knew what God's will was. I, I just, man, it's somebody, if somebody could just tell me what God's will is. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God for you. I don't know everything God wants for your life, and I don't know everything God's called you to do, but I know one thing for sure that is always God's will. Because he said so. Give thanks in everything. Now, you've heard me say it before. He didn't say give thanks for everything. I don't thank God for sickness and disease because God doesn't send it. Jesus took stripes on his back so that we could be healed of it. But I do thank God that in all sickness and disease... Jesus is the great physician, and the presence of the Holy Spirit abides with us, and we're never alone, and we always have hope. I don't thank God for flat tires on Monday nights right after millennials, but I thank God for us, my son-in-law still being here when my tire was flat and changing it for me, putting that little donut on so I could drive slowly down the road till I get it fixed. Yeah, pastors have flat tires too. I'll never forget one day I walked in the grocery store. I was at, well, grocery store meaning Walmart. I, I walked in Walmart one day and I was, we, we, were get, I was, we were getting groceries and our cart was full. And at that time, one of the, it was a good while ago, so some of the kids that are older now were a lot younger then. One of the, one of the kids looked up at me and their mouth just, Brother Leah. I didn't know you got groceries. Said, yeah, yeah, we get groceries too. It's funny. But in everything, give thanks. My wife and I have something we've just, it's not any great grand revelation, it's just something we started doing. When we're having a bad day and things aren't looking good or something's just not going right, we always stop and one of us will say to the other, you know what, we're really blessed. No matter what's going on, we're really blessed. And you don't have to look too far to figure out that, you know what, we really are. 
or blessed. So I don't think God intends for you to thank him for everything because he doesn't, he doesn't send everything. But in everything, yeah, be thankful. Be grateful. You know why? Because if the devil can do his worst, but he can't take what Jesus has put inside of you. He can throw everything that hell has at you, and he can't take anything that you're not willing to give him. He can't take your peace. He can't, oh, he can try. You can give it away, but he can't take it. He can't take your joy. You can give it to him, but he can't take it. He can't take your freedom. He can't take your salvation. He can't take the forgiveness of Jesus away. He can't take the love of God away from you. So even when the enemy has done his best, it's not good enough to accomplish his goal. See, the thief comes not before to steal, kill, and destroy every single time, but he can never take away the life that Jesus has given me. So in everything give thanks. Whenever I do that, I'm fulfilling the will of God. Now, it's not always easy to do. That's why there's that verse in the middle. Rejoice always and everything give thanks. But what does the verse in the middle say? Pray all the time. Pray without ceasing. Let's just get real. I don't care how much faith you have. I got all kinds of faith. Bless God. I got faith to move mountains. Everybody hold up your Bible and say this. Well, that's fine. You can do that. I'm not against that. Don't get me wrong. But some days you can say all that you want to say and life still just flat stinks. Anybody ever been there? That's just real, okay? If you want somebody who's not going to be real, you're in the wrong spot. So I can give praise to God because He doesn't change. And I can give thanks to God because I can realize that no matter what I'm going through, I'm still blessed and there's certain things the enemy can't take away, but then I still sometimes hurt. And I'm still sometimes stressed. I'm still sometimes confused. So what do you do then? I pray. I pray. And I pray. I pray without ceasing because prayer changes things. You know, one thing that you hear a lot today from crowds that don't understand the power of prayers, don't just send us your prayers. You've seen that? When there's some tragedy, don't send your prayers. We don't want your prayers. Now what they really mean is they, they want you to get engaged with their side of whatever issue that you're on. But all that tells you is they have no idea the power of prayer. I don't know about you, but I know what prayer can do. I've experienced it. See, they think prayer is just words. Prayer is not just words. See, they don't believe in general. Some of them don't believe that in a God anyway that you're praying to. So they think you're just throwing words up in the air. And if all we were doing was throwing words up in the air, then prayer would be needless. It would be of no consequence whatsoever. But when you truly pray, you're not throwing words up in the air to someone who's not there. You're actually talking to the creator of the universe and the one who sustains all life and the one through whom all things are held together and the one who created all the universes with the words of his power and has never lost one bit of it and the God who actually loves us and has called us by name and has told us to talk to him and ask us to pray and says seek me and you'll find me knock and the door will be open ask and you shall receive so when I've got a God like that the very best thing I can do is pray as a matter of fact I want to tell you what I genuinely believe and you can laugh at me you cannot like this I believe more things have changed because of prayer than have ever changed because of any action anybody has ever committed on this planet Matter of well so and so did this and so and so did that why did so and so do this or that that changed the world because somebody prayed somewhere 
I believe every great reformation, every great revival, every great move of God, every great transformation in our society has taken place because somebody got on their knees and sought God. And then God moved on an individual's heart, gave them a passion to get engaged in a cause and change the world. I'm not saying that all we do is pray. I'm saying you don't do anything until you pray. Once you've prayed, hopefully God will consume you with a passion and give you a calling because where God gives you a calling, he places his anointing. And the anointing destroys the yoke. Get this, your energy and enthusiasm will not destroy the yoke. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit will. So you spend time in the presence of God praying for the things that aren't right in your life or in your family or in your neighborhood, or in your workplace, or in the world. And then God will drop certain passions, and He won't give everybody the same Oh, I wish the church could learn this. He will not give everybody the same passion. Because there are all kinds of needs. So He will put a passion in one heart for spiritual warfare and intercession. Now, all Christians should pray, but some people are called with a passion. They live, breathe, eat, and sleep it. He will put a passion in one heart for missions. I mean, you can talk about, you can't talk about missions enough. Their whole life is about foreign missions. It's everything, and that's wonderful. That's every, now, every Christian should be praying for, giving to, and where God allows them engaged in missions. But there are some people who live, eat, breathe, and sleep it because it's a passion in their life. Now what's sad is when the person who has a passion for missions looks at the person who has a passion for intercessions and said, you ain't doing nothing. God's all about missions. You ought to come over here and do missions with me because what you're doing is not doing any good. So it's just as bad when the person who has a passion for intercession looks at the person with missions and said, well, you couldn't even do missions if I wasn't interceding. You need to come over here and intercede. And then somebody else jumps in and says, y'all all got it wrong. It's praise and worship. Praise and worship is everything. Y'all just need to praise and worship. And then I pipe in and say, you need to read the Word of God. Get in the Word of God. You need to be studying the Word of God. You don't have time for passion or for, or for praise and worship or intercession. Read God's Word. We all ought to do all of those things, but then God's going to drop in your heart a specific thing that becomes a big thing. Watch that because that's where your anointing's at. And that anointing destroys the yoke. And then God will gather to you the right people who have a passion with you to get engaged in what he's called you to do. You can spend all your life trying to make people have the passion you have and all you'll wind up with is frustration. But if you'll let the Holy Spirit bring someone with that same passion and that same calling, it'll fit and it'll work and you can change the world and love one another. But it all comes out of prayer. John Wesley used to say that God does nothing before he leads his people to pray. So when he consumes you with a passion to pray, what, no matter what's going on in your life, go ahead and praise God because he hadn't changed. He's worthy. And go ahead and give thanks to God because, hey, <laughs> you've got some stuff to be thankful for. First of all, you're all here. And you all know you're going to leave here and go do whatever you're going to do today. That wouldn't happen in a lot of parts of the world today. If they found you here doing what we're doing, life would change dramatically for you in a few minutes. 
That's the way most of the world lives, Christians. They have to live under the tyranny of possibly being persecuted or imprisoned or killed just for doing what you're doing freely today. You didn't do anything for that. It just happened. There, a lot of soldiers gave their lives for the freedoms that we have. A lot of saints have prayed for years for the freedoms that we have. Thank God for the freedoms that we have. That's what I'm saying. If you don't have anything else to be thankful for, that's something to be thankful for. But I'm not trying to paint some Pollyanna type of world for you. I know things are hard. Some of you are going through physical struggles that you hadn't even told me about. Hadn't told anybody about. Some of you are battling some things emotionally or mentally that nobody else knows. And I'm not trying to paint some rosy picture like, oh, life's all good, guys. No, life sometimes isn't that great. But you know what? God is always good. And the things that you can't find to give thanks for, give thanks in the middle of your circumstance because things can change and start praying about those situations. Start seeking God continuously. I want you to turn with me to another verse that you know real well, and it's in Philippians. Look over with me in Philippians chapter 4, and we quote this verse all the time. I preach from this verse many, many times, but I want you to notice that the pattern is exactly the same, and there's a reason for that. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, says, Rejoice in the Lord, how much? Always, and again I say rejoice. Give praise to God all the time. Do it all the time. I'm going to tell you again. Do it all the time. Let your gentleness be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. And then here's this verse that I love to quote. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say rejoice in your circumstances. He said rejoice in the Lord because he never changes and he's sovereign. Lord means sovereign one. He's bigger than your circumstances. He's bigger than what you're going through right now. So rejoice in the Lord. Give praise to God all the time and then pray. Pray. Don't get worried. Don't get anxious. Don't get stressed out. Don't be anxious about it. I love the way he says it. It sounds so unbelievable. I know it. It sounds so incredible that most of us in our modern age just say, oh, well, he didn't really expect us to do that. You know what? Yes, he did. God never put anything in Scripture that he thought, now I'm just putting this in here for it sounds pretty. I really know you can't do that, so don't worry too much about it. That's not why you ever see a command in Scripture. If there's a command in Scripture, God absolutely means it. And by his Spirit, he empowers you to do it. He said, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? How are you not supposed to worry? You don't know what I'm going through. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Now, if prayer is not powerful, then why does he say it that way? I mean, God's the one who designed us. He knows how we're made up. So he knows there's a lot of things that left by themselves are big enough to worry about. So... Why does he say don't worry about anything? Because he's telling you you can pray about everything and prayer absolutely turns things around. See, prayer is a whole lot bigger than we think it is. See, we have now built our churches around the stage, 
Not that they've maybe not always been that way, but I think it's more so now than ever. The entertainment factor is so big in church life now. It's all about what goes on on this stage. Now, I'm not talking about just abundant life. I mean any stage in any church. It's about the preaching and the teaching and the band and the playing and the music and the singing and the lights and the sound and the orchestra and whatever else we've got going on. And all those things are good. All those things are great. And I'm not, not against any of them. But you don't hear a whole lot about prayer. People are enamored with great teachers. The Bible says in the last days people will heap up for themselves teachers having itching ears, not willing to hear what the Spirit's actually saying. And Anybody been to a Christian book? So you don't even have to go to a Christian bookstore. Anybody been to Books a Million? they got a big Christian section. And that's great. I'm thankful for it. I love to read. But my point is, I can't even keep up with how many teachers are. I cannot keep up. About the time I think I've got a bead on how many great teachers are out there, there's about 20 more show up. And, so, and that's fine as long as they're teaching the Word of God. But my point is, we've built a following around teachers and we built a following around musicians and we built a following around worship leaders and singers and all of that's fine and they're necessary parts but guys when are we going to just pray because if prayer is so powerful we're listening to all this teaching and we're singing all these songs but we're not praying do you know why we're not praying I'm just going to get as real as I can get it's hard it's not easy to do the enemy fights prayer like nothing else you could ever attempt to do because he knows the power of it even if you don't. And so when you begin to set yourself, to really focus yourself to spend time in the presence of God and seek God with his word in one hand, a notebook in the other, and just begin to go after God until he shows up, the enemy knows he's in serious trouble at that point in your life. And he will fight that like nothing else. I really believe this. He'll let you do your devotions before he'll let you pray. He'll let you read your books before, even if they're about God, before he'll try to, more than he'll try to keep you, he'll do everything. He'll let you listen to your music. Because see, a lot of times we're listening to our music and we don't even know what we're saying. Oh, I like that song. What do you say? I don't know, it's about God. I just like the music, man, it's good. That's all fine. But it won't change your world, but prayer will. So don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication. But don't forget this element. With thanksgiving. See, there's something powerful about that. Because it's not just God do this, God do that, God do this, God do that. God, I need this, God, I need that. God, why aren't you doing this? God, why aren't you doing that? God, I need this, but... God, I remember, this isn't the first time I've been in a mess. And I remember praying before, and I remember what you did. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You answered that prayer, and you haven't changed. God, I, I pray for my family, but God, this isn't the first time my family's been in a jam. But God, I remember last time I prayed, and Lord, I remember what you did. Thank you, God. You haven't changed. God, this nation's in a mess. I don't know what we're going to do, but I've read enough history and I've lived enough life to know that this nation's been in a mess before. And God, your people prayed and you sent revival and you did this and you turned this around. God, you haven't changed. So thank you, God. You know what that happens? When you begin to give thanksgiving, your perspective starts to change. 
Because all of a sudden you're not focused on everything that's wrong. You're starting to focus on the one who rights the wrongs. And you're starting to see him bigger than your problem. It just happens without you even really trying to do it. When you begin to pray and begin to give thanks, faith begins to arise in your heart and things begin to change. So do it with thanksgiving and then let your request be made known unto God and then God will give you peace. I'm not going to focus on verse 8, but I do want you to remember he then goes into a whole verse where he tells you what to think about after you pray. Because what the enemy loves to do is after you pray, he loves to bombard your mind with all the problems again. And so this, Paul says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever th things are righteous and good and of good report and praiseworthy and virtuous, think or meditate on these things. You, listen, I, this, you may not like what I'm about to say, but it's absolutely scriptural truth. You're in charge of what you're thinking about. Nobody else is. You're not always in charge of what happens around you, but you are absolutely in charge of your thought life. Thoughts can hit you that you do not expect, but then you're in charge of them from the minute they hit your mind. You can choose to dwell on them, or you can choose to take them to the cross. I can choose to dwell on them, or I can choose to take them. Well, that's so hard. Yeah, but he said to take every thought captive to the obedience to Christ. Many of you, and, and myself, I've experienced this, many of you are losing battles in your mind because you're not doing that. Now, I know you don't necessarily want to hear that because I'm going to tell you right off, I'm going to be honest with you, that's one of the hardest things in the world you ever do. To be vigilant enough to take every thought captive is almost a 24-7 battle, especially at first. But I'm going to tell you something, it's worth it. You can't let the enemy dictate what you're going to think. And if you allow him to, he will. So he says, if you will focus now your mind... If it's not beautiful, don't think about it. If it's not praiseworthy, don't think about it. If it's not noble, don't think about it. If it's not true, don't think about it. If it's not righteous, well, do you know what? That would cut half of some of the things we think and talk about because half of it, you don't know if it's true or not. Ooh, gossip would end immediately, wouldn't it? How much of what you talked about do you know is true? I mean, you know it's true. Well, I think it is. I bet it is. Yeah, but you don't know it is. So stop. Just stop. It will change your life. It will turn your world upside down in a good kind of way. And then the peace of God will guard your mind. Now, why is this so important? I want to look to very familiar scriptures as we close. It's over in the Old Testament. You know it well. Psalm 100. Just verse, starting in verse 4 of Psalm 100. Enter into his gates. How many of you like to get into the gates of God? I mean, get into where he is. How, how many of you really believe that if you could just be right where he is and his presence overshadow you, everything would be all right? See, if you really understand the concept of who God is, you know that. See, the biggest thing the enemy tries to do is convince you that God's nowhere near you when you're going through a problem. That's not true, but that's what he tries to tell you. Because, you see, he knows if you ever get an understanding that God's there, everything begins to take on a different light. So he says, enter into his gates. We get right into his presence, but how? With thanksgiving. Now, if you read the Psalms, you will find out that the psalmist quite often rehearsed to God what was wrong 
So God's not telling you you can't say what's wrong. He's just telling you don't start there. <laughs> How many times do you start your prayers with complaints instead of thanksgiving? That's not how you enter. Now, I'm not saying you can't tell God what he tells you later, but you don't start there. You enter his gates with thanksgiving. And here's what you'll find out. If you will be willing to enter with thanksgiving, if you will discipline your mind and your heart to start with thanksgiving, it will change your entire prayer. Promise it will. You'll look at everything else different when you start there. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise I often quote the scripture out of the Psalms when we're, we're worshiping that God inhabits he comes and tangibly resides in rules upon the throne of worship praise he inhabits the praises of his people that's why praise has to become more to us than just something we do for 20, 30, 45 minutes on Sunday morning. Praise has to become a lifestyle. It has to become something we do 24 hours a day. I'm not saying you've got to go around with your hands up and singing a song 24-7, but in your heart and in your mind, thanksgiving, driving down the road and looking at the beauty, God, thank you for the beautiful color in the trees. You didn't have to do it that way. He didn't, you know. He could have just made the trees just drab and gray all the time. Could have been without leaves all year round, just bare, just like wintertime. Hi, he, he could have made, listen for those of you like me, he could have made it winter all year long. But thank the Lord, he's good. <laughs> and we have summer and spring and fall. And you could do like me when it snows even a little bit like the other day, and be tempted to say, Dear Lord, I hate anything that falls from the sky. I don't like rain. I don't like snow. I don't like sleet. I don't like anything that falls from the sky. Heaven must be a place where nothing falls from the sky. It's blue all year long, 75 degrees. Or you can stop and say, Thank you, Lord, it wasn't as bad as they thought it would be. Thank you, Lord, that... We can get around. Thank you, Lord, for the people who come with snow plows and clear the roads. Thank you, God. You know, snow could be black. Gray. I won't say the other color I was thinking because sometimes it is. But it, it could be, you'll get that in a minute. It could be white. Thank God it's white in the sense of, it, isn't, it, isn't it beautiful to look at the snow? I don't like it. I can live without it. But as long as it comes, at least it's pretty. And you know, he made it with a consistency where kids can enjoy it. He didn't have to do that either, you know. Makes good snow cream. I've had some of that too. I mean, even the things that... See, here's my point. And I'm using something very silly, but listen to me. There's things a whole lot more serious I know. But even things like that, if you stop for a little while... Just a little while and think there's something to be thankful for. I don't know about you today, but I'm thankful for this church family. Amen. Week after week, we gather together. We're all so different. 
I've told my wife, I said, there's so many great relationships that I've forged and so many great experiences I've had. And you know what? I would have never known maybe any of you had it not been for this church family. Think about that for a minute. Every time somebody's cried with you, prayed with you, been there for you, supported you, every laugh, bit of laughter that you've shared with someone and joy that you've experienced, do you realize that if it weren't for church families like this all around the country, how, how much would you miss? And yet you see God designed things that way and he told us to be a part of a family that he connects us with and puts us with. Isn't that a blessing, guys? You got stuff to be thankful for today. Yeah, well, sometimes the family's dysfunctional. Yeah, it is. Church families and natural families. I know some of you got Thanksgiving dinner coming up, and you're just trying to think right now of the way you can avoid that one person who you know is going to be there. Where can you go? What time can you get there? And how quick can you leave to just maybe just have to say hello and goodbye? And I understand every family has that, and every church family has that, but yet, isn't it glorious to have family? Oh, I'm talking about me. You know I'm talking about me, right? Nobody else. But every church family, we're, we're, we're people. God designed us that way. And yet he put us in families both naturally and spiritually so that we could be loved and understood. So that we could grow. The people that we don't quite understand or you don't, some of you may, I don't like pastor, he does this. So we rub each other wrong. You know, you learn from that, don't you? You grow from that. Thank God for family. We got reason to be thankful. But when we're thankful and when we praise, the gates open. And we're in his presence. And when you get in his presence... Everything changes. Everything changes. I don't know what all you're going through. Some, some of you I've talked to, some of you I haven't. Even the ones that I know, I don't know everything that you're going through. And you know what? You don't know everything everybody's going through either. Be careful. My wife and I were just talking about this last night. We... You just don't know. People are hurting and broken. There's a situation that we know where uh, someone has walked into a place where all of a sudden an abusive situation from decades ago has arisen in their heart and it's coloring their life and Tammy and I were talking about how something like that can shape someone's entire future. Without the grace of God, it just... And see, we would have never known. So many things you don't know. We look at people, we judge people on outward circumstances. We get mad because somebody doesn't smile at us right. You know, somebody, come, huh? somebody didn't smile. They just think they're so good. They just walked by. They just didn't even shake my hand, didn't smile at me. See, you don't know that they were up all night last night crying. You don't know that it took every bit of faith and strength they had to get up and walk into this church building this morning. And the main thing 
on their mind is not necessarily smiling and shaking your hand. The main thing on their mind this morning is hopefully grabbing the Savior's hand and holding on to it for a little while in an atmosphere where God can bring change and revelation. I'm not saying that we shouldn't treat each other right, but what I'm saying is simply this. Hey, guys, we're blessed with a family, so not only should we be thankful for it, we should be thankful that God can use us to bring understanding and hope and comfort and counsel and and peace. and, And if we don't know anything else to do, we can pray for one another, can't we? And God can change lives. But when we begin to give thanks and praise and we make that our day-to-day lifestyle, the power of the Holy Spirit becomes available to us in ways we can't even begin to imagine because the presence of God tangibly comes to bear in our lives. You cannot thank God too much. You cannot praise God too much. And it needs to be far more than one time a year. It needs to be every day of our lives. Amen. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before your throne today, and God, we're grateful for so many things. We're grateful for the presence of the Holy Spirit that we've already felt in this room. We're grateful for your people that are gathered in this place, brothers and sisters, family that we have because of you. It's not because of anything we did. It's not because of anything special. It's just because of your love for us. You give us one another. We thank you for freedoms that we didn't do anything to earn, but we live in every day. God, we're thankful for family and friends, for health. We're alive. Thank you, Jesus. But most of all, Jesus, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for everything that you've done to make us free, to cleanse us from sin. Lord, you looked at us We were insignificant. We were hopeless. We were helpless. And you said, you're mine. I choose you. I call you my own. You're now accepted in the beloved. You're part of the household of faith, the family of God. You've got meaning. You have significance. I give it to you. Lord, you opened the door for us to know true love and forgiveness. Lord, you surrounded us with your compassion and your mercy and your favor. Lord, we're thankful for that most of all. We're thankful that that never changes because you never change and it comes from you. God, we're thankful for grace and mercy. Lord, we're just grateful for who you are. And we welcome you to flow in this room to break strongholds of hopelessness, to break strongholds of anxiety, to break strongholds of fear, to break strongholds of depression, to break strongholds of of bondage, to break strongholds of sickness and disease. Lord, those who feel lonely in this house today, even in the midst of the crowd, we just pray today that you would break that stronghold. Father God, as we just spend time Focusing on who you are and how worthy you are. Focusing upon all that you've done and continually do. Focusing on the fact that you never change. Continually giving our praise and our thanks to you. And Lord, when we see things in life and Lord, around us and our nation and our family that needs help, needs, needs your attention. Then God, then we can pray. Then we can seek your face and know we have an audience with heaven. Know that you hear us. 
We know that you love us and nothing's impossible. God, what a life. What a wonderful, abundant life. Just to know you, to be known by you. Thank you, Jesus. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed for a moment, if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, I promise you, he did everything. He paid the price. You can't earn it. All he asks is for you to accept it, to believe it, to receive him by faith. It's his grace that gets the job done. When you give your heart over to him, he brings the change from the inside out to the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't know him, or if you're not walking with him today, you're not living for God, maybe you made a commitment to Jesus a long time ago, but something happened and you've kind of got away from him and you know it. There's no peace in your heart or life today because of that. That can change. He loves you. He loves you. All you got to do is come home. If you need to do that today, give your heart to Jesus for the first time or come home and get right with God. Before we pray about anything else, I'd love to pray for you. Would you lift your hand anywhere in the room if there's anybody like that today? You don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. You never have. Or you've been, you're just not where you need to be with God. You know it. And you're ready to come home. Come home to his love and his life, his faithfulness. He loves you. He loves you. Anybody like that before we pray about anything else? Okay, then Christians in this room, a lot of times we walk bound up by things that we don't have to be bound by. Galatians says to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty or the freedom with Christ has made you free and don't get tangled up again with a yoke of bondage. It's possible as a Christian to get tangled up in things that the Lord's already freed us from. But you don't have to stay there. And I'm telling you more than you realize, the beginning, the, the beginning of the journey of finding freedom and life in Jesus is to begin to change what you're focusing on and get your eyes on how big He is, how great He is, how much He loves you, what the blood of Jesus has purchased for you, the price that He paid, and begin to, with thanksgiving and praise, Allow yourself to be ushered right into the very presence of the God of all the universe. I'm telling you, there's nothing impossible there. There's nothing he can't do. So, child of God, I, I know you love him. But if it's been a long time since you entered the presence of God, to say thank you. If it's been a long time since you came with gratitude. It's been a long time since you've really given him praise more than just singing songs on a screen. If it's been a long time since you've thought about how good God is and all that he's done and you're tired of living in the stress and frustration I'm telling you Thanksgiving is the key to your release I didn't just preach this message today because it's Thanksgiving week I actually plan to preach something else but I really believe Thanksgiving is a key to some of your battles I believe praise is a key so I challenge you why not why not give him thanks if you've been battling with anxiety, depression, fear, loneliness, if the enemy's just been literally just having his way in your mind and in your heart and your thought life, I'm telling you, you can take control over that in Jesus' name. You can begin to bring those things back into the presence of the King. Take those thoughts captive. And it begins with thanksgiving. It begins with praise. He's worthy. And he's doing good things in your life. The enemy may be overshadowing them with all the situations you're in, but he's working if you'll just stop and see. Stop and see him. 
If you know God's speaking to you about that and you know that needs to be a shift, a change that you make right now, you believe that that's a key. Something you haven't been doing, but you believe it's a key and you're ready to make that change. Would you lift your hand in this room? You're going through that kind of stuff, but you know God's saying, okay, right here, right now, this is what you need to do. This is how this needs to shift. It'll make it to anybody else. You know that's you. You know that's you. All right, can we stand together? Let's just sing this song. Let's take time to do that. Let's just give thanks to God. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you, thank you, Lord. We give you praise, oh God. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. I just want to stop. Take a little time right now and say thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. I just want to stop. I just want to stop. Take a little time right now and say thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory. We give you honor. I just want to thank you. You are so good. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. All the time you are so good. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you right now. I just want to stop. Take a little time right now and say thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to stop. Take a little time right now and say, Thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. One more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you glory for who you are. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you, Hallelujah. Father God, we just thank you for the release of your presence, your anointing, your strength, your peace, your purpose. Lord, across this room, as people...
turn their attention not just right now, not just today, but Lord, just begin to work into a lifestyle of thanksgiving, gratitude, Lord, recognition of what you're doing and who you are, no matter what we see or what we face. Father God, I thank you that as we praise you and as we thank you, Lord, that your presence begins to surround us. And Father God, in your tangible presence, the enemy cannot hold ground. We just thank you that he's defeated because of who you are and what you've done. And Lord, as we experience your presence, I thank you that our faith grows. Lord, that is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. And Father God, I thank you that in your presence our faith grows. Our expectation grows. Our, our, our sense of peace and calm grows. And so Father God, I thank you, Lord, that this is not just something that we preach about, teach about, talk about, sing about. But God, we can take this and do this in our day-to-day lives, our moment-by-moment lives. Lord, we can give you thanks. When the enemy tries to surround us, overwhelm us, we can stop and take time to give thanks. Lord, we can begin to call to our remembrance your faithfulness, your grace, your generosity, your love and your power, your protection over our lives again and again and again and again. And as we do that, I thank you, God, that your presence just begins to fill our lives and fill our mind and fill our rooms and fill our homes and fill our families. And Father God, as we begin to give you thanks just for who you are, Father God, as we think about your sovereignty, your power, your glory, your majesty, Father God, we realize that there's no power, no enemy that we're facing that's greater than you. And Father, we can face our day with joy because our strength is in you alone. Now, Lord, I thank you that will be a revelation and a reality in each of our lives, not just now, but every day, everywhere we go and everything we face. Bless your people with your peace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you today. If you need prayer for anything, let us know. Don't forget Thanksgiving dinner tonight, 5 o'clock. If you can join us, just bring side items to go with turkey. No other services this week till next Sunday. Have a happy Thanksgiving if we don't see you before.